0: Now Sarai, Sarai Abram's wife, bare him no children. She had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. I pray you, go into my handmaid, it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai, Genesis sixteen, one through two. Now it's a big mistake. Not that it always it is a big mistake to hearken unto the voice of your wife, but this is the second time it speaks of a man hearkening to the voice of his wife, and both of them at this point were mistakes. Now, there will be other times when God will say, Listen to Sarai and hearken unto the voice of Sarai, your wife. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. Genesis sixteen three. So Abraham was eighty five years old, and gave he her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she began to despise Sarai. Genesis sixteen three through four. The Baroness you know, you can always say, well, maybe the husband is un- unable to have children. Maybe there's something defective with him. But when Hagar conceived so readily, obviously now it is Sarai who is barren. The curse of, the, of barrenness was a big deal in that culture. And so Hagar despised Sarai. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon you. I have given my maid unto your bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. And the Lord's judge and the Lord judge between me and you. Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as whatever you please. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face, and the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water. The angel of Jehovah found her by the fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain on the way to Shur, Genesis 165 5-7 now hagar was running back to egypt she was getting out of there and going to go back home but man to get back home she had to go through that horrible wilderness area she surely would have died in trying to return to egypt and so she was by this fountain of water and he said hagar sarai's maid where did you come from where are you going she said i'm fleeing from the face of my mistress sarai the angel of the lord said to her Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hands. Genesis 168 9. Now she actually at this, she was in the wrong despising Sarai. And the Lord is now telling her, return and submit. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are with child. You shall bear a son and shall call his name Ishmael, which means God shall hear. And because the Lord has heard your affliction, Genesis 1610 11. Now, she was probably crying there by the fountain, and God heard her cry, and he said, Call your son Ishmael, which means the Lord will hear. God will hear, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he will dwell in the presence of all his brothers. And she called the name of the Lord that spoke unto her. You, God, see me. And so she said, have I also here looked after him that sees me? Wherefore the well was called Lahorai, which is between Kadesh and Beirud. Genesis 16:12 through 14. So she had made a pretty good way down into the desert to Sinai there, going near Kadesh. The name of the well is well the well of him that lives and sees me, Lahorai Beer is well, the well of him that lives and sees me. And Hagar bare Abram a son and Abram called his son which Hagar bare Ishmael and Abram was eighty six old eighty six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram Genesis sixteen fifteen and sixteen chapter seventeen. Now, when Abram was 99 years old, Genesis 17 1, so this is another 13 years later, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, Genesis 17:1. El Shaddai. So here's the first term. The first time the term Almighty God, El Shaddai, is used. Walk before me and be you perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and me and you, and you will multiply exceedingly. Genesis 17, one through two. Now we passed over the 16th chapter, but let me point out at this point, Abraham and Sarai were trying to help God out. God promised he's going to bless Abraham, make his seed like the stars of heaven. And so they can't count them. And so Sarai comes up with an alternate plan. Hey, Abraham, you know, It looks like we're not going to make it, so I'm getting so old and all. Why don't you just take my handmaid at this point and, you know, raise up a son through her? And it was really a lapse of faith in the promise of God. So Abraham's faith was not a perfect faith. He wasn't a perfect man. His faith wasn't complete. So don't worry if your faith is not complete. Don't let Satan hassle you. Believing in Jesus Christ is really the important thing. I'll make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of many nations. Neither shall your name be called any more Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Genesis seventeen three through 5 Rather than High Father, Father of many nations, Abraham. For the father of many nations have I made you and I will make you exceedingly fruitful and will make nations of you and kings shall come out of you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God unto you and to your seed after you. And I will give to you and to your seed after you the land where you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan. For an everlasting possession and I will be their God Genesis seventeen five through 8 so God is now repeating the promise of giving him a large number of descendants and of giving to them this land forever it's theirs it belongs to them and God said to Abraham you shall keep my covenant therefore you and your seed after you in their generations this is my covenant which shall which you shall keep between you and me and your seed after you. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised, Genesis 17:9 through 10. And so here is where God established the rite of circumcision, which became, of course, the most important rite as far as the Jews were concerned. It's a badge and a mark of the people that have been separated unto God, and the spiritual significance is that of people who have cut off the fleshly life and are living after the Spirit. Now, they made the mistake, as so many people do, concerning rituals as identifying the ritual for the reality. The reality is a matter of heart. God wanted a people that were separated from their flesh in their heart. People who were spiritually and spiritually minded who would serve God in the spirit. It was to be symbolized by the cutting away of the flesh. But it was really a spiritual thing that God was seeking. People who would cut away the fleshly mind and the fleshly heart and would serve God in the spirit. But they began to identify the physical right for the reality of the experience of the heart and thus made the physical right totally meaningless. So if you would go through the rite of circumcision and yet still within your heart were living after your flesh, walking after the flesh, the fact that you had gone through the rite meant nothing. Now, if you had gone through the cutting away of the flesh and the heart, then again, the rite meant nothing. For God was really searching for the heart and the work in the heart. Same with baptism in the church today. For many, it's become a meaningless rite. They think, well, the important thing is go down and get baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. Not that it's the washing away of the filth of the flesh. You can go down and be da- baptized a dozen times and not be saved. The rite of baptism doesn't save you. It's the inward work of the spirit within your heart that really counts. And so here God established an outward rite, which was to speak of the inward experience, the cutting away of the fleshy heart, the heart after the flesh. And it was to be God desired that people whose heart was after flesh the Spirit and after him. And so here is where the rite was established, and God ordered it for all of his children, all that were in his house, all of the servants, all of those that had been brought into the house of Abraham. It was something that was to be done unto Abraham and to his descendants after him on the eighth day of the male child. The ritual of circumcision was to be fulfilled. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be, Genesis 17:15. So it's like changing her name. Name Sarah, the name Sarah, means princess. That's a pretty good name for a wife, fellows. You might start calling your wife princess. It's a beautiful name. And I will bless her and give you a son also of her. Yes, I will bless her and she'll, she shall be the mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her, Genesis uh, 17, 16. So here is God saying, hey, I'm going to bless her. I'm going to make her the mother. And Abraham fell on his face and he laughed, Genesis 17, 17. Now this was not a laugh of incredulity. His was a laugh of excitement. All right, you know, and it was just laughter of joy for this promise of God. Now, later on, Sarah laughed, but hers was a laugh of impudence. Ah, uh, you know me, an old woman. Shall I have the joy of bearing a child? And she laughed because it seemed so incredulous. And so the Lord rebuked her. Why did Sarah laugh? Oh, I didn't laugh. Oh, yes, you did. So Abraham laughed out of just the sheer joy of the whole thing. And she laughed because the whole thing seemed so Incredulous, so it's only right that when the child is born, that they should name him Laughter, Isaac. Isaac means laughter. It's a very fitting name because they both laughed at the prospect of, in this age of life of theirs, having a son. And so Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and he said in his heart, "Shall a child be born to him that is a hundred years old, and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear?" And Abraham said to God, Genesis 17, 17, and 18. Now, this is a sort of a lapse of faith again. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you, Genesis 17:18. In other words, oh, God, forget it. You know, Sarah is 90 and I'm 100. <laughs> Just, that's all right, Lord. Let Ishmael, 13 years old now, let him live before you. And God said, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son indeed, and you shall call his name Isaac, laughter, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. Genesis 17, 19. So that Ishmael was not to be of the recipient of this covenant and of the land, but rather Isaac. So in reality, the land does not belong to the Arabs by the covenant of God. It belongs with the descendants of Isaac. As for Ishmael, I have heard you, Genesis 17:20. You said, let Ishmael live before you. All right, I have blessed him. I will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto you at this set time next year. And the Lord left off. Talking with him. And God went from Abraham. And Abraham took Ishmael his son and all that were born in his house. Genesis seventeen twenty through twenty three. And they went ahead and followed the command of God in the rite of circumcision. Abraham was ninety years old when they went through this rite, Genesis seventeen twenty-four. Father God, Lord, we see, Father, that Abraham is not a perfect man, Lord. He doubts. His faith sometimes is doubting. Father, let our hearts be fully towards you. Let our hearts be on fire for your word. And let our faith, Lord, never squander. Let our faith always be racing after you. It's in the name of your awesome, awesome son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.